Let's all stand and worship today. Welcome, New Life. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sin, wake up the saints, let every nation shout at your name. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for the we'll be church ready for you. Every heart longing for a king, we see even so. So Lord Jesus come. Sing it out. There will be justice. All will be new. Your name forever. Faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon.
Welcome, New Life. As I said in the, uh, the first service, it, it's a real joy to be able to come into the house of the Lord and congregate. That's right. I heard an amen out there, right? So we are blessed today. I just want this moment to be able to, as far as this time of worship for you, just to bathe in the moment. Bathe in the Holy Spirit. Let the Lord lead. That you won't have any distractions from the outside of what's going on in our world or whatever. It's all about worship right now. And I pray that you're able to come into that mode and be very receptive to the Holy Spirit as he runs freely. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, please reveal yourself in a mighty way. So let's go ahead and open up a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for an opportunity to give you the worship you so deserve in our worship. Father God, you know the heart of every person in this room. You know the need for every person in this room. So right now, here and now, I pray your divine intervention over your people. And that you, Lord, would just touch our hearts, open our eyes so we can see and clear our ears so we can hear clearly from you. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. I ask for your blessings over all our leadership, for Pastor Dave as he brings the message. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen. Let's sing.
Praise his name. Yeah. 
such a worshipful song. I love it. Um, so prevalent for our time. I think we really need to latch on as we hear and sing these lyrics. In the chorus it says, you are the one, you are holy. Speaking of our God. You are the one, you are worthy. You are the one, you're everlasting. You are the one I will worship. You are the one I will serve all my days. You are the one. I know that coming back to church and being in a congregational setting is it's awesome. It's great. And for some of us, it may be a little scary still. And that's okay. We need to respect that. But during this time of feeling a little bit more stress and frustration than we normally would, we're here to serve God. And we're to live it out. No matter what our circumstances are, the word is very clear. We're to live out our Christian faith. And I'm going to be the first to raise my hand. I'm having a tough time sometimes. A real tough time. Being Christ-like. And I understand. So when we're here today, let's recognize and remember who our God is. He's the one. He's got it all under control. Even though it may not seem like it. He's got us. We just need to trust so let's sing. The song's called You Are the One. Thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. We love you. You're the one who made the heavens. You're the one who shaped the earth. You're the one who formed my heart long before my birth. I believe you'll always lead me. All my days have been ordained. All your thoughts taught me are holy full of love and grace. You are the one. You are the one. 
Jesus, you're the one. You're the one who made the heavens. You're the one who shaped the earth. You're the one who formed my heart long before my birth. Oh, oh. I believe your love. been ordained all your thoughts took me
for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for being the one, the one who guides us, the one we can follow and trust. So Father God, I would just pray that today, maybe some of us in here would have a revelation, maybe a turning heart to go the right direction of repentance, or maybe just enjoying a bathing in your spirit today in each and every day as we live our lives. Lord God, I pray that we as a church family will be an extension of your hand to a lost and dying world. We pray your divine intervention. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone says, hey, you know what, can we, can we sing that chorus one more time? You guys down with that? Please? Amen. Let's sing it. You are the one, you are holy. You are the one, you are worthy. You are the one, you are the one everlasting. You are the one I will worship. You are the one I will serve all my days. You are the one, you are the one everlasting, you are the one, oh my Lord, you're the one, you are the one. Let's praise the Lord. You sound great. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for worship this weekend. You know, being a part of a service online is, is somewhat of a unique thing. Now, we've been doing it for seven or eight months now, so it's kind of become second nature. But I tell you, the, the, the tendency and the temptation we have is simply to become spectators. But I hope today, and I hope every week, uh, whatever lane you're in, if you're in lane one at home, lane two, new life with friends, uh, you're watching this, I hope that you engage. I hope it's more than just watching something, but actually leaning in and seeing all that God has for you, because God has a lane for you to grow in. Now, a couple of things as we get going. One, we'd like you to take your phone. We do this every week. I want you to text someone. Uh, just encourage them, just some little moment, just say, hey, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you. Make sure you do that. Also, if you go online to our website, newlifecc.com, or on our app, you'll find resources uh, for this, uh, this weekend service. Uh, you can get a note-taking sheet. There are stuff for kids and students. We're offering that every single week. Uh, really based around and circled around the topic of that week. So it's not all the same. Changes every single week. But love for you to go there, download some of those things, find, uh, again, how you can grow in this time together. Uh, also, if you take your phone and you text the word prayers to 30500, uh, we immediately send those out to our team. We pray for the things that concern you. And if you want to stay up to date with what's happening around New Life, text the word UPDATE to that same number, 30500. This is also the moment when we pause and uh, continue on in worship, but 
not through music and not through the word, but actually through our generosity and our giving. And however you choose to give, whether it's uh, online through our app or whether it's through our website, um, maybe you mail it in, you'll see all the information below. I just want to encourage you to continue that step of faith, trusting God moment by moment for his provision, for his goodness, for his care. And it's really our step of saying, God, all that I am, all that I have, it's in your hands. And as you take that step, you're, you're allowing God's kingdom to grow uh, through your generosity, through your faith, and you're a part of all that God is doing through new life and through this area. So thank you for your ongoing support and your continuing to give back to the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing in this series called Pray Like This. Uh, we actually only have one more week as we finish up this Lord's Prayer. But as we get started, I want to just pray. So just pray with me. Father, thanks so much for this time when we can actually lean in to, to your word and to the truth that you've given us. And Father, we thank you for this Lord's Prayer uh, that Jesus prayed that invites us to, to walk closely with you. So Lord, I pray that today would be more than just a history lesson, uh, more than just uh, a religious exercise, but Lord, we would truly uh, begin to know and experience your heart and your desires for us. And so Jesus, today we invite you to teach us, not me, you to to bring us your truth to bring us to that nearer relationship with your father so we give this time to you in jesus name amen well let me ask you this how many of you in these last seven days were tempted by something when something just kind of tried to hook you now if you're sitting there going i don't think i was tempted by anything um, the truth is you maybe were the tempter you maybe were the one that was uh, right in there with someone. Well, I don't know if you've had this happen, maybe at your workplace or, you know, around a circle of friends, but someone comes to bring in or drop off some cookies or some brownies. Uh, we had someone a while back come uh, drop off at our church office these brownies, and they had baked into them Reese's peanut butter cups. And they were terrible for you. The taste was phenomenal. They were so good. Uh, and I tell you, you just, when those things happen, you just, you want to have one and maybe have a little bit more. And, and this always happens, right, when you're trying to eat clean and you're trying to eat healthy. Maybe you're trying to cut back a little bit and someone drops something off. And you're thinking, ah, oh, I, I need to eat healthy tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow. But there's always someone, and we have a couple of people in our office, someone who will say, oh, I think I'll pass. I don't want to eat one of those. I'm going to stay on, on track. And you're just thinking, what's wrong with you? And you're sitting there and you've got crumbs on your lips, but there's always someone who just will, will bypass. They won't give in to the temptation. But the truth is, it's so hard. Now, Jesus knows that temptation isn't really a joke. It's not really about brownies with Reese's and all those. The, the truth is, is that temptation can be devastating for us. So Jesus said to his disciples, and he, he says to us, pray like this. And if you're there in Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 13. The prayer was, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Or the way you probably know it, maybe grew up memorizing it, was this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
Now the definition of temptation in the original language is, is to entice someone, to solicit someone to sin or to fall away or to walk away. And you kind of get the, the picture in your mind of, of kind of someone, you know, those, those uh, kind of stereotypical scenes of someone with a trench coat, you know, in an alley going, hey, you want to buy something? You know, that's kind of how we think of being tempted. But those of you who have walked with Christ, those of you who have put your faith and your belief in God, you've done that long enough. You know there's always temptation there at some level. There's, there's a million temptations that we struggle with, and really it's unique to every single one of us. But I want to just kind of take a moment and talk about some of those basic categories so, so we can identify with them. There's the obvious kind of active temptations, such as the temptation towards sexual immorality or affairs, emotional affairs, affairs of the heart, even things like internet porn. There are substance problems, temptations to drug and alcohol, There are temptations to overspend or to use food in the wrong way. Then it's almost like you can drop down a level from that to something that has more to do with our our heart and our demeanor and our attitudes. The temptation to withdraw when really you need to speak up. The temptation uh, to say too much and maybe the temptation to to be critical when we see our words being damaging and hurting. Or maybe it's the temptation to think that we're better than others and we start acting like it. Maybe it's the temptation towards sarcasm and arrogance and we're no longer breaking down barriers anymore. We're, we're breaking down people. There are all kinds of temptations. Even things like having too much of a good thing like food or TV or as I said earlier, even buying. There's all kinds of ways to look at this. And then there's the most serious temptation. It's it's the one going on in this season, right? We're about to enter into it. It's the Amazon Prime sales. It's when Wayfair has their discounts, right? It strikes at the heart of all of us. Truthfully though, we all get tempted. And to understand temptation and what Jesus wants us to do about it, I think we have to understand first the, the bigger picture of what's going on because it's like God is, is right here and he has purpose for us. He has plans for us. He created us. He, he made us. He knows us deeply. And he loves us more than we can imagine. And if you're not sure about that, just back up here in this series a couple of weeks. And we've been talking about God's incredible love and grace towards us. But he also wants to protect us like a good father does. And he wants to guide us and give us his wisdom. That, that's what he desires for us. On the opposite side, we have our enemy, Satan, and he's tempting us and he wants to destroy us. In fact, Jesus said that, that his intentions towards, towards us is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean murder, but think of and, you know, desires that he wants to kill in us, relationships and marriages that he wants to destroy. This is the enemy's kind of MO. This is how he wants to function. And in the middle of this great cosmic battle is us, right in the middle. By the way, in this 
large scale cosmic battle between God and Satan. I just want to let you know, God wins. I read the Bible. I read it all the way to the end. And he wins in the end. But we live right now in the tension of being tempted to go one way, but wanting to follow God another way. But I'll even tell you, it's not even that simple. Because there's a complicating factor here. Because not only is the enemy tempting us, but we have a tempter in us. Our own desires, our own struggle, our own sin. We're often our own worst enemy. But here's the good news. Being tempted and struggling with temptation is a sign of life. It's a sign of life. You know, those who have died aren't tempted anymore. It's just all over. So when we're in that struggle, it means that there's, there's something still at work within us. Life is still struggling in the middle of that. And this is where that part of us really wants to follow God. We, we want to be in his walking in his path. We want to understand his ways. We want to follow him in his ways and know him deeper and, 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 and sense this connection, our heart to God's. We desire that more and more. But the other part of us is, is pulling away from us. Those, those of us who live in kind of even understanding the basic reality that we face day in and day out, Understand that we all have a temptation problem and we all struggle with it. But here's the bottom line. My way of working through this, my solution, doesn't work. Because here's, here's my solution. I have a funny feeling it's yours too. When it comes to temptation, this is kind of the, I don't know, the, the, kind of the common knowledge. This is how we attack this. We say this, just stop it. I just want to stop doing that. I don't want to do it anymore. I want to walk away from that. And so we try to muster up as much interpersonal strength as we can to just say, stop it. If you don't think you're in that crowd, if you think, no, 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 I'm I'm going to go a different way. How about yo-yo dieting? That's a stop it kind of mentality. Or New Year's resolutions, right? That's a stop it kind of mentality. On New Year's, you, you think, I, I'm going to stop doing that. I, I'm going I'm to eat healthier. Maybe we'll even try to put it in a positive way. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to do more exercise. But really, we're saying the same thing. I want to stop eating too much or stop eating bad food. I want to stop just sitting around and not doing anything. I want to I be active again. And you, you just... We do all those things. I'll never blank again, whatever it is. And then a year later, you're you're still blanking. Or three weeks later, you're still blanking and doing that thing. Or three days later, all those things have gone out out the window. Here's one of my favorites. It's taking that three by five card, or now we put it on our phones, we make notes to ourselves. And then we say, every day, I'm going to fill in the blank. And after a few days, you're not doing that anymore. That's, it's a just stop it kind of mentality. And it sounds so easy. I'm going to work up the willpower. But it's really an unbiblical view of sin and temptation. 
See, here, here's the bad news about that just stop it mentality if you're struggling with temptation, again, which is all of us. So I have a couple of things that kind of are the, are the bad news around this, and I, w- I want you to write these down on your sheet. The first is, is this, is that temptation strikes me at my weakest point. See, temptation doesn't play fair. Temptation doesn't hit you when you're strong, when you're like, yeah, I've got it all together and you're, you're ready to go. Temptation hits you where you hurt the most. Temptation hits you when you're most under stress. Temptation hits you when you have a relationship problem that you're struggling through. Temptation hits you when you have a, an emptiness in your life, a loneliness in your own heart that you can't seem to fill. Temptation hits you when you've got financial problems and health problems and family problems. That's when temptations start coming at you and they absolutely cut you off at the knees. And in those moments, what, what is my, I'm going to stop doing that, going to actually accomplish when I am at my absolute weakest? The truth is nothing. It doesn't work when temptation doesn't play fair. Now, the second part of why it doesn't work is a little, little bit more complicated, and it has to do with the commandments in the Bible, in Scripture, and, and the moral law, the, kind of that rule of law that God calls us to. Because the law, like the don't do it, is a, is a good thing, but, but it does do something. And so write this down for the second part. The commandments and the law actually wake up desires in me. And you may be thinking, well, Dave, what do you mean by that? Well, look what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 7. He says, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. See, when Moses brought down the commandments on the tablets, remember that from Uh, you know, the Old Testament, and he comes down, here's what God has said, these 10 commandments. Here are the things you do, and here are the things that you don't do. They were for our good. God's desire in that was for good. But one of the effects of the law was to say, I'm going to create more envy in you, more lust in you, more wanting in you. And some of those things wouldn't be highlighted as much if if there wasn't law. So it's that thing of, you're just driving along and all of a sudden you see the speed limit is 20 miles an hour and you're going 40 miles an hour. Well, if that sign hadn't been there, if the law wasn't there, you'd just be cruising along. But now it's, it's made it obvious to you. And when the law tells us don't covet and don't commit adultery and don't bear false witness. There's this part of us that's intrigued by that. Now, we don't consciously do this, but in our spirit that's is kind of drawn to that. Now, why would God do something like that? To give us the law and then our sinful passions try to break the law. You realize, I realize, you can't live and obey the law and you end up having to come to Jesus. You have to go to the place of grace where the law doesn't control you anymore. The law is kind of like a guide to lead us to Jesus. But on the way, that, that law arouses something in us. Again, let me give you another example. Imagine you're going out for a little bit and, 
you know, you're a parent and you tell your kids, we'll be gone for a while. And you point at your oldest child and you say, you're in charge for this hour while we're gone. And then right as you're heading out the door, you go, oh, one more thing. Whatever you do, don't get out the cookies that are up in the cupboard. And it's almost like in that moment, you see the light coming on in a kid's heads. They're going, there's cookies in the cupboard? There's actually, I heard what you said, but there's actually cookies in the cupboard? See, before you ever mention that, Maybe they're thinking, if I get hungry, hey, here's an apple, here's something like that, but not anymore, because guess what? There's cookies in the cupboard. And that's how we are. If the law says, don't do this, what do we want to do? We want to do that exact thing. You, you can't have that apple in the tree. We read that from the very beginning of Genesis, right? So what do Adam and Eve? It's what they want to have. Because there's that sense of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. So the law wakes up something within us. The Bible even tells us that. And that's the second part of why this just stop it mentality never works. Temptation doesn't play fair. And the rules and the law wake up desires within. And the third part of this is willpower doesn't actually have that much power. I'm sure all of you willpower freaks are discouraged by this, but willpower is an overrated concept. It's okay, but it doesn't save you from temptation. You realize that's what happened with Adam and Eve, and by default, all of us. That's how they fell in the Garden of Eden. Lots of things got broken in the fall. My heart got broken. Our brains, our head, our thinking got broken and twisted, and our willpower did as well. So it's simply not a good master if you think that being stronger and using more inner strength and I'm just going to try harder is going to help you because all of us are destined to fall. Truthfully, I believe that if willpower could actually work, we wouldn't even need to be here. We wouldn't even need to be coming to church and we wouldn't even need to be looking for this, but you know where we all are. We're gathered together at, as, as a church, as a family. Even if you're at home or you're gathering with some friends, we're still the church together. And the church is identified by a cross for those who can't help themselves, who needed a savior, someone to rescue them. That's what Jesus was all about because willpower failed. It failed in pulling us out of the pool of temptation. Even Jesus said this in Luke 19, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the word save means to restore to wholeness and to rebuild back and to recreate. See, our problem really isn't the temptation thing. Our problem is much more profound. We're lost and willpower doesn't bring us out of that. And far too often we make a decision to trust and follow Jesus and then we spend the rest of our lives simply trying to be more disciplined, to work harder for what was given to us in grace. Now, I believe in discipline, and I think it's an important part of the big picture. And, and the ones who say, just choose to do better, have forgotten where we all came from. Because they couldn't even have chosen to save themselves. In fact, the Bible teaches that excessive self-discipline leads to more temptation and sin and impulses. Colossians 2, Paul says this. He says, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the evil powers of this world. Now, listen to this. 
He says, so why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't eat, don't touch? Those rules are mere human teaching about things that are gone as soon as we use them. And these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion or strong discipline and humility and severe bodily discipline, but they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. Did you catch that? They have no effect Something deeper is at play. And that's the depressing news. You can't do it, and I can't do it. So what's the good news? Is that God has a way. God has a solution. God has a way through this for us. Matthew 6, 13. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus said, make that a a regular part of your ongoing prayer. That when you put yourself, that I put myself in God's hands and saying, God, would you see me through this? Would you guide me through the temptations that come? And they do come. And would you rescue us from this cosmic battle between you and Satan? And could I walk with you? So I'm going to give you a few things. I want you to write these down. The first is this. Prayer connects me to God as my ultimate source. Connects me with God as my ultimate source. So here's the big picture. The goal of our life is not to just simply stop doing bad things. It's kind of a shallow goal. When you're 90 years old and asked, how was your life? You don't want to say, pretty good. I didn't do a lot of bad things. There's got to be more than that, right? Because the goal of life is to live. The goal of life is to trust and follow God and to be filled with him and to live for him and to do something in, in his name and to have meaningful relationships. Life's more about that. In fact, Jesus said, I've come to give you life to overflowing. It, it's not the absence of all the bad things. So we need to go to a source of life, a source that preserves, a source that, that, that fills us. And that's God and his grace, that he is our lifeline. Hebrews chapter 6 says this, Therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence, listen to this, as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. There's something deeper holding us, giving us life. Think about this. Do you think the enemy, do you think his strategy is to simply get you to have an affair? Do you think the enemy's strategy is to get you to do drugs or to overspend or to be, you know, uh, just full of yourself like, a, like an ego that's out of control? Do, do you think that's ultimately what his strategy is? No. Uh-uh. There's so much more sophistication than that. He's using all of these temptations with, that, we're, that we struggle with to get us to the ultimate temptation. And the ultimate temptation, the final temptation, the most severe temptation, do you know what it is? He wants you and I to cut ourselves off from God. He wants us to cut ourselves off and to sever ourselves from the only source of grace that we can ever find. He wants us to choose to do it our way rather than God's way. Isn't really that the essence of all temptation? I want this thing, whatever it might be, and I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. 
I want the way I want it. I'm going to find a way to fulfill my own needs. I'm going to find a way to put all these things in place in my own heart. Because God's way is taking too long. God's way is too hard. It seems too depriving to me. It's too frustrating. So I'm going to handle it myself. Isn't that really the source of all temptation? And all of us have to come to terms with the fact that there's a part of us that really believes we're like the fourth member of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and me that I'm going to make my own way. And it's just, it's just the way we're created as human beings. So we get tempted by the enemy in our own hearts, our own desires, to separate from God. And when that happens, we have cut ourselves off from protection and we become vulnerable and helpless and alone. So the first thing we need to do is connect with God. You cannot and I cannot succeed over any temptation that we face this week or in the weeks to come in some kind of isolated vacuum. There has to be a refilling of God's presence in my life. Matthew 26, Jesus said this, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. His spirit is willing. At its core, temptation has to do really with something that we, we need, that God wants to provide for us. But we're going to try to do it in our own way. Try to think, any temptation, and take a look at the motivation and the emotions behind it. And I think you'll find that it's really something God actually wants to provide, but in his way. You're like, whoa, 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 Dave, like, what about drugs or affairs or anything like that. But what's the core, what's the core thing behind it? Fulfillment? Dealing with pain? Struggling through loss? Struggling through anxiety? I, I mean, what is it that we're trying to fill deep down that God actually wants to meet that need, but we don't even give him the chance. We just go our, find our own way. And the enemy is more than happy to bring those things into our sphere of influence. See, God's not depriving us in his way, in his time. He he provides. But it's when I look to him as my source. Write this down for number two. Prayer allows God's way and wisdom to guide us. Do you know what God's way and wisdom is when it comes to temptation? It's a simple word. Run. Run. Because the temptation is bigger than your willpower. We already figured that one out. But that's why we're being tempted, because it's bigger and stronger than what we can manage on our own. And I kind of get frustrated with all of these people who, who seem to champion all this, saying, just stand there and fight this temptation. But the Bible doesn't tell us to do that. The Bible says to run. Don't stay where you're most vulnerable. Here's what Paul wrote to this young man named Timothy. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, Pursue, in other words, chase after and run after righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. You know what? I know people in their 80s that are still running from the youthful desires of youth. It's a matter of perspective. We have a weakness. And the weakness is where the enemy is going to get us. So run when you're weak. Run to God. See, our our culture even gets some of this. Our culture is even realistic about this. Think about what you've seen, like 
like credit card counseling, like, like debt relief things, you know, 1-800-GET-OUT-OF-DEBT or whatever it might be. Um, what happens when you go there? You go and you sit down with an advisor, someone financial, if you're trying to get things uh, in order, and you put the, the, your credit cards on the desk and you know what that person does? They bring out a big scissors and they cut those up, right? They don't give you a few more credit cards and say, I want you to resist them. They don't do that. And after you're done having your credit cards all tie, you know, cut up, you, you feel like, oh, I'm so depressed about this. I think I better go on Amazon and buy something just to feel better, right? We go through this whole grieving process because we feel like we're losing. But here's the thing. It's a good thing to run from the temptation. And Jesus' simple prayer brings us back to a place of trust and dependence on God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is the message translation. It says this, don't be so naive and self-confident because you're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. And if you have a sheet, underline that from, from 1 Corinthians. It says he'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Write this down for number three. Prayer brings freedom and restores my soul. <clears throat> Sounds kind of vague, doesn't it? But here's what I think. I think that temptation is diagnostic. <laughs> Whoa, time out, Dave. What in the world does that mean? What it means is that I think the particular temptation that you struggle with or that I struggle with, whatever it might be, whether it's food or overspending or sex or uh, some kind of uh, drugs or, or substance or whether it's pride or porn or whatever it might be, that temptation is a diagnosis of an area where God actually wants to bring healing. Whatever we're tempted with, know that that thing is where we need healing the most. I tell you, it, our temptation actually shows us where we're most wounded where we're most broken. And God wants to bring healing through that. He's speaking to us through the temptation. He's not the tempter. He's not the one that brings it. But he says, this, what you're experiencing is where I wanna bring healing. This is where I wanna help you. And for everybody, it's a different issue. Different temptations mean different things about our character and our soul that need to be restored. Again, it may be an addiction issue. There may be an emptiness where you feel that there's no love or you can't receive love or, or you can't feel the presence of love from God or other people. So you try to self-medicate in that. And God's saying, there's an emptiness there and I want to fill that up. Or maybe it's anger and God may be saying to you, it's time to learn what vulnerability is. Maybe to experience areas where you're actually helpless. Maybe you need to let other people disagree with you without being offended. And maybe this is an area where God says, I want to restore and heal what's been broken. There are issues we all need to look at, look at. And temptation becomes our marker. It's kind of like the red flag of God saying, this is where the wound is. That's why the struggle is here, because I want to heal you. God's saying, I don't want to beat you up. This is not about condemnation. It's about bringing life and peace to you. And he's inviting us to lean into that. 
and find restoration. Psalm 62 says this, truly my soul finds rest in God and my salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will never be shaken. How does that happen? When I find my rest and my salvation and my rock and my foundation in God to bring healing and wholeness where we've been wounded and broken, to touch the deepest places of hurt in us. And here's another beautiful thing about it. He doesn't do it in isolation, but he draws us together as a forever family to pray for and encourage one another. James 5 says this, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. That's how God does it. He gives us himself. He tells us to flee where we're weak. He wants to heal us of whatever we're dealing with so that we can experience peace. And he calls us to lean on those around us. You and I, we're going to be tempted for the rest of our lives, especially if we're trying to follow God and and trust him. It's a sign of life. But what I want you to do now is Go back to that passage. We're not going to do it together, but I want you to go back and read Matthew chapter 6. Read, read that Lord's Prayer. And understand what Jesus has in store for you. So I'm going to pray God gives you peace because the journey is hard, but it's good. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your care and your concern over us. That you know those areas where we're weak and where we've been wounded. And you know the enemy comes in hard trying to tempt us and pull us away, trying to, trying to get us to sever our ties with you and to handle life on our own. But you and your love and your grace, you have something more for us. Relationship. You have for us peace, joy, fulfillment, real life. So I pray, God, day by day, moment by moment, we would give ourselves to you. And we pray, Lord, that you, would, you wouldn't lead us and, and allow us to face temptations that, uh, that only cause further wounds. But instead, Lord, you would, you would deliver us from evil. And we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, when you face temptation, stop for a moment. Just pause. Hit the pause button. Ask for God's strength and protection And then, as you step back from it, see that temptation as a place for God to bring his healing and his peace. Let me close with this from Psalm 55. Give your burdens to the Lord, David wrote, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Psalm 55, 22. That's our closing. That's our verse of promise today. Take that. Own it. Live it. Trust it. Thanks for joining us this weekend. I pray that you would be blessed and that you would be a blessing.